What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You know that intro? Uh, it, it cracks me up a little bit because some of that footage is from parks that are no longer there anymore, but I love them. I loved them, and all of that stuff I still do today, like twice a week. And I've been doing it for 35 years, and it's still as fun as it was when I was 11. That's the best part. The stoke is still there. And speaking of stoke, so I'm walking. I had to go use the restroom, you know, and, and I'm a normal human. I use the restroom, whatever. And I'm walking through the, the hallways here at the NRM Studios in Farmington Hills, Michigan, and there's a gentleman out there, and he looks like CEO or something. Like, he's that kind of caliber of a person. His suit's probably three grand. I didn't check out his shoes, but they're probably alligator skin or something. But whatever. He's on his cell phone. And as I'm, you know, I'm just doing my thing, bopping along. And I hear him go, yeah, I'm stoked. <laughs> For real? <laughs> like, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that would never happen. You say the word stoke and people would look at you like, what does that mean? And I'm like, you know, fireplace, the little, you know, the, you stoke a fire, you stoke your friends, you stoke, stoke the session, you stoke your, your, your colleagues, whatever it is, you get them fired up. And, and that, that just, it made my day. And so it's a great way to come in to this episode of The Drop-In. I want to thank you all for tuning in. This journey, has, it, it continues. It continues to get me fired up. I talk about the goosebumps on my arms. I show them to you all the time because that's the passion. That's the drive. That's the excitement I get to be sitting here behind this mic and bring you stories of overcoming, stories of the crookedest of crooked lines that you can't even draw of how people got to where they got to, and today's show is no different. It is no different here today. Today I have an amazing story of a young, a young gentleman who is doing great things for the city of Detroit and the people in Detroit. He is giving back by giving people a chance to make a living wage at making great products. And the, stick around, man, because when I uh, was introduced to him through emails and different things and I started reading the bio and I started checking it out, I'm like, how, how are we not friends already? Like, we have a very common, common goal as far as the world goes, as far as helping others, as far as inspiring others to uh, just have a chance to be successful, to be, to live the life that they imagine, which I talk about so much. I talk about if you can imagine it, you can make it happen. And my friend is here today, my friend from Pingree, Detroit. Make sure, Google it right now while I'm opening up. You know, Google Pingree, Detroit and check out what I'm talking about. The shoes are out of control. The bags, amazing. And he was telling me about some new products that are coming out I can't wait I really cannot wait you know I actually threw in the, what about some skateboard shoes man let's let's see what we can do there and uh, so we'll see you never know you never know um, but at any rate you know I'm happy to be here I'm glad you guys are here and I, I want to welcome a new sponsor you know I, I, I can't do this we can't do this here at NRM without our awesome sponsors and this one is super rad because over the last couple three months 
months, I had refinanced my house and did a bunch of work. And, and I actually got the beautification award from the city of Wyandotte on Monday of this week. Thank you guys very much. So, you know, if you get a chance to refinance your house or you're thinking about it, these people at Century Mortgage Lending can help you out. They're in Birmingham, Michigan. And, and, you know, if you're purchasing or, or you know, you can get pre-approved for a purchase of your first or your next house, depending on how, how where you're at in your life, or you can refinance like I did. And it was a blessing. My payment didn't go up much. I resided the house, got some rooms finished up that I need to get finished up. So those kinds of things you can do with a refi. Or if you're young, you're looking for your first house, these people at Century Mortgage Lending can help. Um, you know, there's so many opportunities. There's different things you can do do with your home and Century Mortgage Lending can help you out. So make sure to give them a call. If you have any any ideas, you have questions, give them a call at 248-258-4977 or you can check them out at CenturyMI.com and their NMLS number is 134 Five two five. Thank you guys so much for supporting the drop-in because I get to continue to make more shows and bring you guys cool guests and continue to inspire the world, which has been my goal since about 2008 or so. I think that's when I really shifted focus from competing on the X Games or, or competing nationally, we'll say. And really, my focus was inspiring the world. And it's leading by example. Leading by example. I continue to practice what I preach. First triathlon, three years ago. I, I continue to push my own envelope. And I want you to do the same thing. I want you to do the same thing. Get off your damn couch and make life happen. This is not a dress rehearsal. It's not a dress rehearsal. We get one shot. We get one shot to make the most of it, and I want you to make the most of the life that you have. And imagine the perfect life and go out and make it happen. If there's anything that you hear on this show that you think might help you, reach out to my guest. Reach out to me and say, Gerald, I want to get in touch with these people. I want to know how you did it. How'd you write a book? Because I'm DIY. I'm punk rock guy. If I want to make a shirt, I go home and I, go home and I screen it in my basement. If I want to... Uh, I come up with like 10 companies a day. Some of them I, I go with, some of them I don't. But if I want to like start a new skateboard company or something new, I start laying out the plans. You know, you got to start, start somewhere. Action is the most important thing. So many people will sit on their couch and tell you, I could do that, I could do this, I could do that. But until you take action, what did Einstein say? Nothing happens until something moves. That's what Albert Einstein says, and that's the truth. That's the truth, and it, it stands true for me. I can sit and write all I want, which is an action. I think plans are very important, but until I get out and put the rubber to the road, don't really matter. It doesn't really matter. So with that, man, I just want to say thanks again. I thank you guys a lot, but the reason I do that is because without you, the viewer, I don't have a show. Without you, the viewer, sharing these messages across the world, I inspire nobody. You know, tree falls in the wood and nobody hears it. Did it really fall or whatever that thing is? That's why I thank you guys. Because if I'm talking to empty space, it's cool and I could do that in a closet at my house. 
but I get to come here to the NRM studios in Farmington Hills, Michigan, and broadcast across these airwaves across the globe. We're in 29 countries. We are reaching thousands everywhere. India, freaking Lithuania, for crying out loud. They're listening to us in Russia. That is awesome, and that's why I do it. So thank you guys so much. So let's get to the subject at hand. How about that? You know, um, as, as soon as I started reading about Pingree Detroit, it was, uh, it was like, wow, wow. What Jarrett is doing is freaking awesome. Awesome. And I don't know, it seems like a no-brainer, but there's not really anybody else on the planet, I don't think, that's doing what Jarrett is doing. He has started a company here in Detroit, and it is it is amazing. I'm not even going to start to talk about it because we got him here with us to tell you all about it. So without any, any more, um, I want to introduce you guys to Jarrett Schlaff. Jarrett, thank you so much for being here, brother man. I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> that was funny, dude. I walked out, I said, I'll be right back. And I came and told you the story before we even came on the air. I'm like, dude, that was so cool. Indeed. No, I really am grateful to be here. You know, so um, it's it's phenomenal to me, and we're going to get into the, to the life of Pingree, but, uh, you know, what you're doing and the growth in, uh, from 2015 to today, and you continue to branch out. You brought up some things, and I don't know if you want to bring them on the air. They're still on the DL, but you're starting to partner with some, some heavy hitters here in the city. Indeed. Yeah, relationships are our strongest currency, right? So everything we do is we're out to maximize well-being for uh, the veterans and the makers on our team, for the customers we collaborate with to create the impact we're out to create, and the makers on our team. So really, uh, as well as the broader community. And so we're very lucky. I can't uh, share some of the, the very exciting updates I share with you because they're not yet public. But, uh, but folks that stay tuned, uh, that information will be going live in the next couple weeks. Right on, right on. So make sure to, you know, go to Pingree Detroit, sign up for their newsletter, and you'll be informed instantly, instantly when these things hit because they're... It's, it's amazing. And the start of this company, everything about that. So it, it is truly phenomenal. But let's we're going to get into Jarrett's start. He grew up in Waterford, Michigan. How was it growing up? I mean, normal upbringing. How, did, how was it for you growing up? Waterford was an awesome experience. I, um, I, I just had a person ask me today, like, you know, what, what was your upbringing like? You know, how did you get involved in, in, in kind of service and, and doing that? What started that? And I was thinking about it, and I, I had pretty rad parents. My, uh, the, one of the first times I remember standing up for something that was, you know, standing up for the people around me, I was four years old holding a protest sign, protesting an incinerator. Bigger, the sign was bigger than me. I had really bad asthma, and they were going to put an incinerator. So Waterford and Pontiac, where we grew up, they're going to put one in in Auburn Hills. And it was so close to where we we're going to be that that was going to directly impact my ability to breathe. And so we're out there protesting saying that this is not what's good for the people it might be good for that business but it's not good for us we don't need this and so from his you know some of my earliest memories were actually out there and advocating for for well-being and uh in waterford schools the the very first recycling program ever to happen in waterford schools was when i was in seventh grade and i saw them throwing away plastic water bottles i was like someone should do something about that that's not right and i literally when i said someone should do something you know, I was like, well, what can I do? And I talked to the principal and we worked with the janitors and set up the first ever recycling program back in middle school. And so uh, I've 
been so lucky to be uh, around a community of amazing human beings my whole upbringing uh and yeah waterford is uh, it's a gift of a place yeah it is it's beautiful i've been uh out to waterford a bunch of times you know i was telling you earlier my one of my very influential sponsors as i was coming up as an amateur skateboarder was metro trend skate shop in waterford michigan and uh so i was out there quite a bit and that's a hike from where i live down river being a half hour 20 minutes south of detroit to get out to waterford which is like northwest sort of kind of detroit um that's our drive but the out there the community is cool it's sort of rural ish in parts but then you get the city in parts so it's a it's a pretty cool combination of things at times we call it water talkie <laughs> so uh, i actually have a bunch of family in kentucky and like we started calling it water talkie it's got some character there's some uh there's some interesting people there. <laughs> and obviously not a bad thing, <laughs> no, you know. Kind of now, were your parents activists? Were they that kind of people? My mom was a third grade school teacher. My dad was a chimney sweep and a writer and a storyteller. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, he'd go tell us scary stories to Cub Scouts, you know. And um, So they, they weren't super activists. They just, they would try and stand up for things that, that to me, just made sense, you know. Why? And I think it's rad, too, because, uh, you know, it directly affected you. And I, I speak with people all the time. I, I have a, a wide net. And, you know, from, a, from politically voting to different things, you know, different people, that doesn't affect me, that doesn't affect me, that doesn't affect me, and they don't do anything about it. I think when it does directly affect you, it helps you get involved. And then you realize you can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I can change the world. And, and you know, if that's the the uh, initial fire that you need mm -hmm. to get involved, um, so be it. And that sounds like that's something that may have started you down the path that you've been on. Definitely. We often underestimate the power we have as individuals. But even an action as simple as, as you often say, get off the couch um, and going out and you're out in a shopping market and you happen to smile at somebody, that can make a world of difference. Or you open the door for an elder, or you just go out of your way to, to spend a little extra time to you know, be there to listen to somebody. Those little actions create a tremendous ripple effect. So every single moment we have the agency and the opportunity to make a difference. Yes. And then when we start to explore, like, what are we passionate about? What do I care about? What, what actually, you know, either gets me frustrated or angry. What do I, what do I really give a damn about? And then explore, well, what can I do? And that, that often is the place where people get stuck because they go, my God, it's such a big problem. Or uh, where do I even start? But if you start asking that question and then you start sharing with people, saying, hey, what can we do? Like, this is so big, like, you know, what can we do? And that's, I mean, that's literally how Pingry started, was asking the question after, on the same week back to back in 2014, uh, I've, I've lived in Detroit since 2010. I literally, I met a veteran who was squatting in a house, a kid in corner from me, um, surviving. He'd been home not very long um, and was, he was surviving. Brought over a case of water and stuff to make PBJs. I didn't know he was a veteran. <laughs> I just know he looked about my age and, I, I asked him, you know, what do you need? And he's like, man, I, his name is Ryan. He's like, I, I need work. You know, I can't, I can't find good work, a good paying job. Uh, and so that experience where I, I, I gave him the money I had in my wallet, it's like 10 bucks and my number. And like, man, follow up with me. Previous to that, 
I one of my careers I'd worked for Senator Carl Levin doing veterans affairs work and supporting veterans and getting benefits and doing work on energy policy and just help trying to help and serve people and so I'm like I got to I should be able to find you some resources and then that same week in literally within 4 days from that I met another veteran named Michael who's going door to door on Woodward trying to find work asking people would hire him to sweep up do, do they need bussers this guy had a masters in engineering and was a veteran and served in the, in the Gulf War brilliant guy big heart was working through some addiction was overqualified of where he went and so like I said out loud like man someone should do something about this and when I said that out loud my whole being was like oh someone someone should do something huh <laughs> yeah you know it, it, it all this whole show is already flowing right the way it's supposed to go you know it, it's um, the goosebumps are uh, they don't lie they don't lie. But you didn't, you know, one thing I, I, I'd like our viewers to know is you didn't just automatically get into this activism starting this. You you went through the proper channels, high school. You went into college and uh, studied at Oakland University. Mm -hmm. uh, public administration and business were, were where you were focusing. Why did you choose that? So I've, I think from the time I can remember, I've always felt good about helping people. And when I thought of, I started with business as my major, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's not going to be fulfilling enough. I want to do something to make a difference. So I shifted to public policy and had business as my minor. Um, and public administration was like, well, maybe I'll, I don't know, I'll, I'll be some person behind a desk helping people. I, I had no idea. I was like, I want to do something. I have no idea what, but um, where can I just help people and, and you know, serve them as, as a public servant? And um, from there, you know, I, while I was actually in school, I got involved in the student government there. And uh, there was actually this moment, I was a student legislator, and they were going to be building student housing on this piece of property with all these gorgeous old growth trees. They're going to clear cut them. And I'm like, that's stupid. There's so much <laughs> land to put a parking lot, and you want to put it right here so that it's more accessible to student housing. There, there's an infinite number of spaces right around. They're like, no, sorry, it's set in stone, nothing you can do. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, challenge accepted. Right. <laughs> and so I, I went and I got the rec department, campus rec department involved. And I went and got um, uh, biology department involved. And I went and got the cross-country team involved. And actually, they were going to start building this parking lot in three months. And I was able to gain, I got about $15,000 in funding and built a disc golf and mm -hmm. trailway system right at Oakland University. Um, built the thing had the cross-country practicing there, had uh, a cancer research charity event there, and, the, and the, the actual rec department put in another five grants, so they were bought in. And we came back to that, that dean who said, sorry, there's nothing to do, and we, we invited them to the, to the charity event. Said, oh, by the way, this is a, there's new use for this area, and, uh, and here's the new proposed area for the parking lot. And they literally couldn't do anything about it. And it, was, it was based on what's best for the student body and not what's best for your concrete plan. So that was the first experience and exposure of what you could do if you get a lot of people involved to do something for the good. And mm -hmm. then from there, I, I, I literally, I, I was, I got appointed as a student services director, which is an appointed position on the student government. And, uh, I, I literally, uh, worked with a committee to actually, as a research institution, they, they closed their library at like 9 PM, which is ridiculous for a university Completely. library. We worked and we got it to be 24 hours. And so just, I started experiencing like, wow, you can do something if you get involved and if you get students involved. And, and so that was probably my first experience of me personally 
being involved in making change, just working with people to, to move it forward. And that's amazing because, you know, when I, I went into college and I knew I wanted to be an artist, uh, that's, uh, you know, art door, creative, whatever, whatever. But uh, I definitely didn't have that kind of wherewithal to be uh, making a difference. You know, it took me 40 freaking years to realize that I can make a difference and inspire people. So that's quite a mature, uh, I guess, direction to go at a very young age. Thank you. And starting at four, <laughs> at four, at four. You know, as we live life, you never really know. Like like I said in the opening, you know, the, the line to get to where we're getting to, it's never from point A to point B. Hmm. It, it's as crooked as any line you've ever drawn i've ever drawn and every guest that comes on the drop-in it, it, it is like that jared here it's a little straighter than most i would say up to this point up to this point i mean at four years old going you know what this is going to make it tough for me to breathe i'll hold this sign because i understand <laughs> that and then to continue into your college years to be able to stop a parking lot from being built because of nature, which getting back to nature is a very important part of my life to, to level my head. I like to meditate twice a day. It happens every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, and realizing, you know, you're going to clear cut 100 year old trees. I'm going to see what I can do not to let that happen. Disc golf's brilliant, dude. That sport is everywhere tons of skateboard parks around the state mm. of michigan also have a disc golf course Didn't right near that. it yeah there's a Brilliant. bunch of them a bunch of them so you're you're making making waves in, at oakland <laughs> university here in michigan and so what uh you know i know in 07 uh, you got into the nonprofit uh arena mm -hmm. how did that transpire sure so that was uh the first nonprofit I actually started was while i was still on campus so I, I started a, an urban farming program. It was the first one at the college the, where we grew food and produce and donated to a local homeless shelter in Pontiac. And so it was just getting students involved. I, my first job in seventh grade was I worked at a greenhouse. Nice. I, I got paid under the table. They're, they're closed now, so I can say this. I worked under the table, and you know, I played in the dirt and learned how to plant flowers and vegetables. And it was, a, a, it was Ernst Greenhouse in Waterford. It was an amazing place. And uh, yeah. I, experiencing how grounded you can get having your hands in the soil and feeling that, that sense of calm, I wanted to share that. And we worked together and we got a plot of land we could use on campus and we, we turned it a nonprofit to be able to bring funds in to, to train. We turned into a whole almost permaculture program using basic principles around, okay, how can we use this land in a way that's really strategic to maximize the yield of food and also make sure it's healthy for folks to eat. And way ahead of your time, because think about, like, urban gardens are everywhere now. Mm -hmm. I mean, way ahead of your time. That's, you know, 10, 12, 15 years before the urban garden craze hit. Qu quick fun fact, the company, or the person we named our company after, his name was Hazen S. Pinkery. He was a veteran, he was a shoemaker, three-term mayor of Detroit, 24th governor of Michigan. While he was the mayor of Detroit, they nicknamed him Potato Patch Pingree <laughs> because at that time there was this massive famine back in, like, it was like 1893 like or something, 1893, 94. And folks were starving in Detroit, and he, he literally negotiated to open up all this land to create literally the first urban farms in the country right here in Detroit. How cool. How cool. And now they're everywhere. Exactly. I mean, I see them all around town. So I'm just know. following his cool trend of Pingree. You know? I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. So that was your first nonprofit you started? Yeah, and I, I, I was grateful to be involved after that while I was in school. Actually, I was working for the state of Michigan for a while, and 
I had gotten exposed to a lot of folks who were getting really sick by industry practices. So a lot of the fossil fuel refinement happening in southwest Detroit is the third most polluted zip code in the country. People are literally cancer rates through the roof and no one's no one's supporting them. No one's advocating. My hands were tied when I had the job. I was in the Office of Pollution Prevention, but I couldn't do anything about it. I was literally signing off on permits with no ability because the law says, well, they're only increasing by this much. Mm. Except it's burning people's skin because of the off-gassing from Marathon. And I'm like, that's not all right. And I, tried, I went up as far as I could at the state of Michigan, and they were like, go back to your desk. This is above your pay grade. And so I put in my two weeks and then started organizing work with the very same community that was getting screwed over, essentially. And that was my first kind of foray into that level of in-depth activism. That was uh, the, a nonprofit called the Detroit Coalition Against Tar Sands and started another with a broader Michigan coalition where it's like they were literally legally dumping this toxic byproduct of petroleum coke, uh, which is just this ashy-like coal substance. It was blowing in a halfway house. It's blowing in there's homes where folks are there you know, on, on Medicare, who three to a room, they can't leave. It's blown in their window in the summertime. It's full of mercury, selenium, all these cancer-causing agents. And the city government said, well, it's, it's actually, they're a good taxpayer. There's nothing we can do. And then right. you got to talk to the EPA. And the EPA said, actually, no, you got to talk to the MDEQ. I'm like, I used to work for the MDEQ. It's not their jurisdiction. But the MDEQ says, no, it's the city. So no one was doing anything. And literally, the, at one point in time, we worked with the whole neighborhood. We came to there where they were legally dumping. And me and uh, five friends, we locked arms and stood in front of the trucks that were legally dumping. And we had Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 7, PBS Live, where here we are, like, what are you doing here? You know, and we're like, listen, don't move the people, move the pet coke. <laughs> and after five hours of standing there with border security and the lo our local officers, we, we eventually, our demands were met, and they moved back and brought back to Marathon. And within a week, the mayor's like, oh. It was unacceptable. I didn't even know this was happening. And Mayor Bing was like, the people have spoken. This has got to go. And, <laughs> and within a, a, literally within two weeks, uh, they banned the, the open storage of Petcoke. So, you know, people were able to breathe again. <laughs> you know what I love? I love? I love every part of that story. But what I love that our listeners got to hear is you and five people. You know, there's strength in numbers, but there's strength in making a point making a point five people five people change the lives of thousands who knows how many by getting that regulation shifted that's that's i think the the whole thing is awesome but for our viewers across the world you know going i don't think i can make a difference you and five people made a huge difference and i would add to that there was five of us who were willing to risk arrests you know here are some people with skin that looks like mine who, you know, are going to be treated well in the justice system. And we were able to risk arrest, where, but around us were the neighborhoods. Around us were elders who said, I, I can't go to jail, or moms, and say, but they were literally around us, oh, right on the, on, the, on the public sidewalk. And so it was a community where people said, I can show up, that's the best I can do, and it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And we were there to hold space right on the river, right where Rosa Parks ends, right yep. in Detroit, at the river, we were right there. And that's... Uh, so every person can definitely, they can lend their, their, their brilliance in some way. That's so rad. It is so rad. And, and you know, uh, organizing people, uh, regardless of what the goal is, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm president of the Dropping Down River Foundation, which is, uh, we got a quarter million dollar matching grant from the Hawk Foundation to build a skateboard park in the Down River area. And it was, it's, it's been phenomenal to me because I put out a social media message and on our committee, we have 
people from the Chamber of Commerce, the Wayne County Chamber of Commerce, a nurse, local business owners. It's not just a bunch of dudes who want to ride their skateboard somewhere. <laughs> it is uh, seven cities from downriver are represented in Wyandotte to build a better place for our youth. And it, it, I still get blown away when we have meetings because you put the message out there and you get some people with a common goal. Uh, an author who I love is a gentleman named Napoleon Hill, and he calls it a mastermind group. When you get four or five people in the same room with a common goal, amazing things happen. And on the pu- on the public side of things, it's the same thing. It's mm. the same thing. And sometimes you have to lead by example. And people say, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> you know? And you're like, it was just a few of us. And now we have numbers. And Indeed. that's a rad feeling. Indeed. Yeah. that's <laughs> We're sitting here with Jarrett Schlaff. And I'll tell you what, if you ain't fired up right now... <laughs> You better check for a pulse because this, the conversation so far, we haven't even got to like the, basically the, 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 the big part of it. And I'm already blown away. You can make a difference in, 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 in the world, in your city, in yourself, in yourself. And, and Jared is no joke when it comes to that. Thank you once again for being here at the NRM studios with us. Um, you know, as you've been moving along, and, and you've done some great things uh, in your in your college years, and, and you've been awarded some crazy awards. I mean, the list on your bio was pretty cool. I couldn't pick one that stood out to me. Is there any one that stands out to you that really, you're like, man, I feel all right about getting that award, or that, that really, I could stop right now, and I'm okay. Is there any <laughs> award that stands out to you? Honestly, it, it would actually be, I mean, awards are just, it's a, it's a great acknowledgement. It's appreciated. But I actually, something that wasn't on the paper would be probably one of my greatest accolades. There are probably two. It would be, one, I've been, I've been mentoring the same young man since he was seven. And he's now a junior in high school. And um, we were having lunch one time. We'll, we'll connect at least a couple times a month. Um, and we were having lunch. And he just looked at me. He's like, you're not only my mentor, but you're my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for making a difference. And the, the feeling of just sincerity and seeing that I'd worked with this young man who was a very different person when I first met him and that by just encouraging someone, by being there consistently, by no matter what they do, showing up and, and telling, telling them you believe in them and that you know they're going to mount and you, you only accept their brilliance and like, hey, that wasn't you. That was just a that was a manifestation of whatever emotion happened, right? And so, yeah, being a being a big brother per se, being a mentor, um, seeing my little mentee, um, you know, he's a cast tech and he's doing great here in Detroit. So it's that I would say will be one of my my greatest accolades. Right on. And in yeah. the skateboard world uh, that I'm part of, you know, I've been riding over three decades, 35 years, and so. It, it, I get a similar feeling. Actually, last night, uh, I was doing some work at a local park, and one of the guys working with us, and he's like in his mid-20s, and he's like, for all intents and purposes, a man, you know? And I'd known him since, I, I make the joke, since you were a snotty-nosed kid wearing full equipment, I probably taught you how to drop in on your first ramp. <laughs> and he goes, Gerald, you probably have. And I'm like, it's so cool that we're still friends. And he's like, you know, it's an honor for me to be here. And, and we, we're we still friends. And it's a, sim- a similar kind of feeling, you know, that these guys are growing up. And they're like, you taught me this or you taught me that. or And it's not just skateboarding, it's life. 
and, and being able to give back, especially to the youth, and inspire and influence them in a positive direction, wonderful feeling. Wonderful feeling. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Um, let's get into the meat of this because Pingree blows my mind. It blows my mind what you're doing with Pingree. Now, uh, you know, you're in the city, and let's just talk about how you even got the idea because our viewers, if you don't know, if you didn't look it up yet, look it up. Look it up because it is such a unique company that is doing things on, on, on a bunch of different levels. How did the idea come up? Yeah, so for those that are looking up, it's P-I-N-G-R-E-E, Detroit.com. Uh, Sorry about no, that. No, no, you're good. So I, I kind of I alluded to the story a little earlier when I I'd met these two veterans back-to-back -back in the same week. And when I said out loud to my buddy who, who also served in Afghanistan, um, who's infantry, and I'm like, someone should do something about this. And when that came out of my mouth, my whole body, my whole being, you know, said, I got to do something. I didn't know what... I did not have the plan to start a company at that point. Um, I was exploring the idea of community production with kind of just looking at this concept of I was meeting youth in my neighborhood who were looking for opportunity. They wanted to do something more than just have the limited access to make it in sports, make it in music, or maybe do really, really good in school. And your neighborhood was east side, Charlevoix area? Correct, yeah. And so I was kind of exploring, you know, what would, you know, could I be involved in some way around you know, community-supported, community-rooted production. Like, could people make stuff? Could you know? And I was, I was kind of just interested in that idea. I wasn't really looking into it much. And then after meeting these two guys and talking to Joe, uh, it was like, okay, well, what what can we do? And the second veteran I met named Michael, we actually hired him for six months to do a listening campaign. I was fully employed at the time. I was a Midwest director of a different nonprofit, and. Um, we literally paid him to go to veterans shelters, veterans nonprofits, speak to veterans themselves, and say, "What do you need? What would what would you need to thrive? What kind of work do you want? What do you you know what's missing? Instead of assuming ourselves, we know what's what's up. Like, let's talk to the people that we want to serve. And so we were able to employ this veteran who at the time was sleeping in his car uh, to go and actually facilitate this, yeah, this listening campaign. And what we found was that there was this there was this big old gap, right? There was people who had food and shelter, and then there's over here, like, meaningful living wage work. And there was a huge gap in the middle. And skill trades training it works sometimes, but what was missing so often, there are, there are these men and women who are experienced in isolation. You come from a position where you are, whether you're serving overseas or you're stateside, you've got men and women who are willing to die for you. You've got people who are so committed to your well-being and so committed to you and then you come out of that tribe, right, where people are always looking out and you come back to the United States where people are stepping on each other to get ahead. Competition. I love your shirt, by the way. Nobody versus, no, nobody versus anybody versus the kind of status quo, which says, I'm going to do everything I can. It's all about me. It's all about we when, mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're serving. And so there's this issue where you've got people who are disenfranchised. You know, they're, they're not connected in. They don't have a support system. And, and so we, we were like, well, what could we create? There, there are people who want to work. They want to have meaningful work, not just a nine-to-five, not just a security guard job, but something that has meaning. They want to serve their neighbor, their community. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. What can we do to be a part of creating that? And so in, in answering that question, I was just telling everyone I could. Another thing that I would say that's been crucial to me being able to be where I am today with Pingree is just 
every person I could possibly talk to about this vision. Like, hey, I don't know what we're going to create, but we're going to create some work. We're, we're going to, you know, create living wage work for veterans overcoming homelessness. And here's what we're going to do. And I have no idea what, but here's what we're going to find a way. And, you know, just in one of the people I share it with, uh, it was an elder in my neighborhood. And he goes, you know what? Sounds like you're all going to be the boots on the ground in Detroit. I was like, boots? <laughs> we should make boots. <laughs> and, you know, starting to look into it, like, how hard can it be? Right? We haven't made footwear since 53, and we've never made sneakers in Detroit. And so it started on this path of, okay, everyone I'm talking to is saying it's impossible. Challenge accepted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then I've gotten good at, like, one of my strong suits is I'm, I'm good at building teams. Like, I love it. I'm passionate about it. I just I love connecting with good people and, and seeing what people are good at and then helping them dig in and learn a little more about it and then apply those gifts and then, you know, just continue to develop them. And so I started on a path of, okay, how do I build a team that can pull off this feat of making shoes in Detroit? And, you know, everyone I talked to, oh, you need a million dollars. Well, we, we got done for closer to a quarter of a million, and a lot of that was in kind. You know, donated equipment from Lear and donated leather, and, and that's another piece is all the products we make we make footwear now, bags, bracelets, wallets, crossbody bags, all with leather reclaimed from the auto industry. That's one of the things that blew my mind, and that's sort of what I was getting at when I said, "How did you come up to come up with this model?" And it sounds like it was almost out of necessity, or or to see what what is here, what is what where is the opportunity? Definitely, yeah. I mean, we landed on the leather piece. Um, I was, I went. I got invited from a former colleague that I worked with at the state of Michigan to come to this event called the Suppliers Partnership for the Environment. So one of my positions, I was involved in helping coordinate and try and reduce the cost for companies with their waste streams. And so I knew there was a lot of waste. And so I I went to this meeting. I wasn't on the agenda, but I, I was able to get a chance to speak. I, I was given 30 seconds. I took probably closer to two minutes. I like it. <laughs> and I told them this vision. Um, you know, hey, we're going to create shoes. You know, we're not sure how, but we're going to do it. We, we, we're going to create living wage work with veterans and Detroiters. And from there, it went to, okay, you know, who can help? Who wants to be a part of this? And so talking to 150 engineers in a room, a few came up and said, hey, I want to connect with someone. And from there, we, we were able to connect with Lear. And that was the first partner we started taking just pre-production leather. So literally from car seats to your feet, it literally, we have to say, it smells like a new car because it nearly was. Uh, <laughs> it literally, uh, this was going into a car seat, either post-production and pre-production. And instead of having to have them pay because it's so small sometimes, they can't use it for a full seat. And so we're nimble enough where we can take all of it. And uh, we're in a path to actually be in zero waste. So with our production process, we can use down to like a gram, even a half gram uh, of leather waste. And then we can actually eventually reloom that and we can create like yarn and thread. And like eventually we're going to create a completely closed loop so that there's no waste. We'll be a zero waste company in the next three years. And, uh, and we're worker owned, which is another piece. So we're not just, oh, we're just going to pay some, some veterans of workforce and make a bunch of money. It's actually... 77 cents of every dollar in profit is shared with the workers on our team. Well, and, and, you know, one of the quotes, I read several quotes from you because I'm a quote guy. Every morning, most mornings, I put up a motivational quote on my social feed. And and they're from all over, every different place. But the one that I loved was companies have an opportunity to not only pay a living wage, but reimagine what it means to wage a living. How did you come up with that? That's a brilliant freaking quote. Thank you. So in this current moment that we're living in, everyone that's alive right now, we're in this space 
where we're experiencing exponential increases in consolidation, automation, exploitation, and globalization. Within that, to avoid an exponential increase in disempowerment and isolation and, and challenges when you know when, when the truck drivers lose their jobs to robots, what are we going to do? And so we have to reimagine work. We have to reimagine who we are as Americans or everyone listening, who we are as human beings at this time in the clock of the world. And so as we reimagine work, as we, you know, as we pay a living wage and reimagine what it means to wage a living, it's not, it's not that you're making a living, it's that you're waging a living. You're pulling your entire self into who you are, the life you live, that when you decide not to snooze your alarm, the first thing you do to wake up and you instead say, today's gonna be a good day. I'm gonna make a fine, I'm gonna make a way. It's that idea of bringing yourself and saying, you know what, I have a duty as a human being to look out for my neighbor. I have a duty as a human being alive right now to look out for the environment that we all depend on. I have a duty as a human being to bring my best self forward because I'm not here to follow some reality TV show. I'm not here to just follow distractions. I'm here to express myself as a human individual. You like my little slow nod over here? Like, preach it, my brother. Preach it. That, that, that is my reaction because that's why we do this show. That's, you know, you. I could not have said it any better of why the drop-in is here. It's to inspire and motivate. People ask me all the time, they're like, how are you doing today? And I always say a little bit better than yesterday. Mm. Because even if that's one-tenth of one percent better than I was yesterday, I'm moving in the right direction, man. You know, and and you multiply that and compound it by 365. <laughs> that's a pretty nice percentage of Indeed. increase, you know. Indeed. And so, man, you fit right in with the model here. I'm so stoked for you to be here at the NRM Studios with us here on the drop-in. And I mean, Pingree, that is, it is ingenious. Yeah, have and this isn't on our little outline, but has anybody reached out from other other cities, other different places to say, can we copy your model? Can we know more about your model? So some folks have said, hey, can you move here? <laughs> can, can you, we'd love for you to open up a space here. We've got people that we want to you know, employ in, in one of our models. So right now, when we make a pair of sneakers, it takes two and a half days to hand make a pair. Okay. It's very handmade. It's very almost bespoke, right? Our wallets, everything is handcrafted because it allows us to really invest in the well-being of our team as we grow. As we bring in technology, you know, the difference between maybe a model like ours and a traditional model is most times you bring a technology and that that actually displaces workers. Where with us, we could say, well, you know, we can actually we could just work 30 hours a week now if we want, you know, instead of 40. Or, or hey, what it was look like to shift and modify where individuals are on the floor, on the team. So we're looking at production processes where really exciting technology. I can't go in depth in the air yet, but imagine if you go into a shop in Minnesota and you walk in this experiential shop and they, they, they 3D scan your foot, you meet a, a veteran who facilitates the whole process and then you watch a shoe being made in front of you where you picked out the color of the thread. The thread's all upcycled. It's made with upcycled leather, upcycled ocean plastics, upcycled thread. It's zero waste. It's carbon negative, so it's not creating any more climate change. It's actually improving the environment, improving the individual. And then, boom, it's done for you and it's done within 30 minutes. Now, that's the experience we want to create. We want to create those all across the country. We need some partners to pull that off, and we need some capital to do it as well. We, we're, we've bootstrapped it everywhere you can imagine. So we've done it. You know, I literally invested 30,000 of my own money. I don't come from money. 
Um, past three careers, I, I put some money away and I invested it all in the company. We've got a few small private investors, you know, 15K here, 15K here, a few hundred thousand in investment, uh, or actually long-term loans, I should say. Uh, and so as we grow, finding folks to share our values, who say, you know, that's a really cool, that's innovative, that's disruptive. Um, it would be a distributed production, not a Nike that's, not to throw anyone under the bus, but there's a whole race to the bottom. <laughs> no, there really is, though. No, I'm just kidding. There is little right now, there are shoe companies that are moving out of China because the wages are going up too high, and they're moving them to Ethiopia. They're moving them to India, to where they're paying pennies, where people aren't well, they're not taken care of, they're not ha happy, they're not, you know, why wear a pair of something that is hurting somebody? Mm -hmm. But but we're, we're so divorced from that. We don't know the person who made our shoes. With every product we make, it comes the maker card. You know the name of the veteran or Detroiter who made your stuff, a picture of them, a quote. And so we're, we're committed to reconnecting with community, reconnecting with your impact, having a, choosing to have a positive impact. So everyone listening could, with any company they're with, you know, be a little bit more informed. Uh, if you have the option, it's definitely a privilege to choose to, to support businesses that are, that are intentionally doing better. It's usually more expensive. But if we can collectively demand that, Individuals have a lot of power in that regard, and then from there, supporting them, you know, tell, spreading the word. You can just sharing the story of Pingree literally can make a tremendous difference. Or sharing the next thing that inspires you. We all have this ability to do so much, and it's it's well beyond just purchasing something. Yeah, you know, and and uh, I gotta say, sitting here speaking with you and and seeing the passion, you remind me. Of, of the way I get, I, I, I start getting active, my arms start moving, you can see it, you can feel the vibration in the room. And when you sent the photos over for the show, there's one of you with suspenders and stuff, and it's very much a throwback photo. Like you can <laughs> see that photo at the Henry Ford, mm -hmm. but your philosophy isn't that that different from a, the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. It really isn't with, uh, you know, incorporating the neighborhoods to make the products and also paying them a wage that they can afford to live a, a, an okay life. Mm -hmm. And and it's awesome. It is awesome. Because when you sent that, I'm like, hmm, how do we work in some kind of throwback here? Because, mm -hmm. but I can see uh, once this automated kind of thing gets put together, I could see it in the Henry Ford as an exhibit. <laughs> I totally could. Sure. Because one, you're in Detroit. And where, what better place could you have your home base but in Detroit? And two, the automation, everything, and uh, the, I mean, to have the maker card right there, you know, and you're not paying $10,000 for those shoes, you know, I, uh, it, that's, that's an amazing thing, I think, especially to the consumer. To say this is who made my, you know, a machine didn't make mine for like three cents in, you know, Vietnam or China or whatever. It, it is truly phenomenal, especially to be in the city. To be in the city, I think that is one of the best things because Detroit has been on the up and coming for a while now. Mm -hmm. I personally always had said, we have beautiful little pockets, and once they start connecting those pockets, mm. the sky is the limit, and we're getting there now. And, and you're helping that that uh, that journey of uh, Detroit connecting and becoming uh, what it was maybe a hundred years ago, mm -hmm. especially with the veterans, dude. The veterans, that's the veterans. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how they get a raw deal, how they don't. The reason we can be on the air here at NRM is because of our veterans. And you're helping them. 
and that is something to be said for that for sure um what's coming next with pingree man i know you got some secrets we can't get too deep into it (laughs) but what what is in the next six months the next year what what we got going so we've got a brand new boot coming out in the next couple months. We've got a backpack coming out. Uh, by the time listeners hear this, it'll be live, which is really exciting. We've got um, one of the newest things we started doing is um, if someone listening on this, especially you know in the United States, might be a part of a company that might want you know our business card holder with their logo on the front and ours on the inside, you know they could give that gift of impact to customers, to employees. We can do that kind of customization. So we just, a bunch of the newer partnerships we've just developed in the last literally a couple of weeks, we're making tons of these keychains and business card holders and journals so that you can give the gift of impact. And that helps spread awareness for us. And we're also doing some really fun stuff where we're, we just started working with some car companies where we're gonna be actually able to, to say the name of the car where it comes from. So you know you're getting this from a, Fill in the blank car. I can't see on the air yet, but um, and you know, that, and it's gonna have the logo of that actual car company on it. So we're working. That's really exciting. So that, you know, if you drive a, a Ford Mustang or a Corvette, you know, or a Lincoln, you can have that product potentially. Not saying that those are the companies. Right. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. I neither confirm it or not. In but, the hypothetical <laughs> universe. Exactly. So those things really excite me. Where we would love to partner with them so that they they can be completely zero waste. We want to expand and we want to bring forward this this kind of the footwear model I talked about. It's not some in the future thing. I literally have relationships right now in Detroit where we're going to be printing these things. I mean, it's if we had the machines all ourselves, it would cost us $300,000. We don't have that. And another 200000 just for programming. It's not a cheap thing, but that's where industry is going. But if we can keep that owned by the neighborhoods, owned by the workers that are a part of that community, it's a different story. It's a different impact. It's a different conversation. And it's a tough one. And I'll tell you why. I just watched a... A documentary about a brand, band called Jawbreaker, and uh, it'll all come together. But Jawbreaker, punk rock band, early '90s, they changed the game. Some people say they were more influential than Nirvana, but as soon as they signed a major label deal, hmm. their fans left. Their first album didn't do that good, and the band fell apart like mm-hmm. that. And so, to there's a fine line. Be like, I don't, I don't like the term sellout, but there's a fine line there between keeping your core audience mm-hmm. and people looking at you like you're a big corporate deal. It sounds like you understand that line, mm-hmm. and you want to keep it in the community. Definitely, yeah. Even if we bring in some technology that allows us to make shoes quicker than two and a half, like we're we're making 15 pairs a day. There's no way I can make it for every Detroit at this current scale. The the old model. I mean, yes, Nate, who's one of my co-owners, who's an Air Force veteran, who makes he has his hands on almost every pair of shoes we make. Uh, even at you know he was trained by an Italian master and he's hand hammering and lasting these shoes. Even at that scale, they're gorgeous, but. We can't have an old antiquated fact where there's 100 people hammering shoes. That that doesn't scale, right? And that that's really hard to go into, you know, Minnesota and Texas and go into Ohio and go into Kentucky. And that's a really difficult way to grow. And so if we grow in a way where we have more control over the inputs and we can even go into, depending on the region, let's say you grow flax over here, you grow hemp over here. Let's use what you've got in your community already and let's use that in the process and let's have you manage and have the freedom to to do the process you know how to do best keep it local you know best 
and we can support that, facilitate. So it's kind of like a community version of a franchise model. That's what we'd like to see as far as our growth, so that collectively we're lifting up each other, we're working together, we're side by side, we're on a team, we're in this together, we're all in this together. Whether we're folks who are listening in Russia or in China or in India, Pakistan, wherever you are, we're all in this together. Yes. So we, I say it all the time. I say it all the time. Rising tide raises all ships. We're all in this together. I mean, I, I preach that all the time, and it is true. It is full-on true. Now, the one question I really wanted to ask you, though, when you first started, how were you accepted? You know, having this idea of building shoes one pair at a time, there are people, I mean, there had to be plenty of naysayers. And we still get it, too. People like, $349, who do you think you are? It's like, well, I think I'm someone who's paying a living wage, and that, that's how long, it, you know, we're, we're, my labor costs are almost $300, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people didn't believe it was possible. And, I mean, if I would have stopped after the 100th person who told me, this is just, it's too hard, why, it's, why are you doing this? It's so hard, you're not going to get there. Uh, or the time when I put payroll on my credit card because I had no idea how the heck I was going to make payroll. And uh, I got a loan from a friend to make payroll another time. And it, believing in this vision of people doing well, stronger neighborhoods, self-sufficient neighborhoods where we're working together, where more people are happy and supported and are able to take care of themselves and their family, I believe in that so much that I was unwilling to give up. And I might fail still, but I, I'm committed to everything in my possible power to not give up. And and just believing anything is possible. Yes, I am a Jarrett Schlaff fan. After sitting here with you for 45 minutes, dude, like I am totally, I, I'm I'm sold. Sign me up. Because uh, your your passion and your drive, uh, some of the things you've said here on the drop in that resonate. Give the gift of impact. If you don't have that on a T-shirt soon, <laughs> I'm gonna put it on a T-shirt. Okay. If you don't do it, because that you screen is screen print in your basement. I'll buy them for me. All right. <laughs> That's how I got this. I made it myself. All right. Um, but give the gift of impact. I love that. And and going to communities and saying, what do you have here naturally? Let's use that. Let's put that to work. You know, you already know how to grow or 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 build or do whatever. Let's figure out how we can work that into the Pingree model. And maybe it ends up developing not only shoes, but whatever products are natural to that demographic or that uh, area, wherever it is. That's a that's an amazing model and it, I mean it, you're not the first person to say that but recently with globalization you said that um, some of the locality some of the support in the small business the local has been lost and, and a lot of communities are trying to bring that back mm -hmm. I know in downtown Wyandotte it's a big arm wrestling match you know the town I live in in, in Wyandotte Michigan is about 20 minutes south of Detroit and we have big people coming in because it's a very small old town coming in trying to control it and then you have these small businesses because we don't have too many chains down there uh, sort of fighting back, like creating their own coalition and mm -hmm. say, let's do our own billboards and run our own events because mm -hmm. we're the people who are here. And your model is exactly that. Small business helping the di directly helping the community, similar to what uh, the early automotive industry, uh, what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Doing the best we can with what we've got, finding a way, making a way, believing that there's a way. And I love that you were you trusted me enough here on the drop-in to talk about uh, putting payroll on a credit card because that takes a lot of cojones, my man. A lot of people <laughs> would walk in here and and try to maybe you know promote that 
you know, the company's successful and I'm doing all this and we're totally successful. I love that. You're sincere, you're honest, and you're passionate. And that's uh, the way I try to live my life and the, and the message I, I promote through the drop-in. And you are the new poster child, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't lose my job. <laughs> oh, man, it's such a pleasure to have you here on The Drop. And we're sitting here with Jarrett Schloff uh, from Pingree, Detroit. And if you are just tuning in, make sure to rewind and listen to the whole story. Because his path to get to where he's at today and Lord knows you ain't done, my brother. You're a young man. And uh, he has made such an impact on so many levels throughout his life. And you definitely want to share this with everybody you can because we all can make a difference. And like Jarrett said, we are all in this together. You know, helping each other out, it, it, is, it is a great feeling here. But to see the people around you succeed... I get more stoked than my personal successes. To see others succeed is almost, it's not more important, but it's just as important as personal success. And um, just thank you so much for being here. How can folks reach you? I know you you uh, spelled out the website earlier. Can sure. you um, let them know how they can get your website, social media, any of that kind Definitely. of stuff? Definitely. Website is www, I'll do this while I'm talking, uh, www.pingreedetroit.com. That's P I N R. Oh, excuse me. P-I-N-G-R-E-E, Detroit.com. Social is at Pingree, Detroit. And, uh, yeah, we would be grateful to be in community with the folks. Um, Instagram, Facebook, website, they can drop us a line if they have a question. Uh, and, yeah, it's it was a true privilege and honor to, to build alongside you today. And, uh, yeah, grateful to, to be in community with you. What a great show. Thanks again, my brother. You're welcome back here anytime, man. Anytime. Anytime. Matt, you know, this show just continues, continues to inspire me personally. And I hope you get that message as well. And, and you know, with every show, it's a little different. And different shows are going to resonate with different people. Having Jared in the studio today really resonated with me because I'm part of a nonprofit. I'm working on inspiring people and building brands and building companies and letting you know that you're just as capable as Jared or myself. You are just as capable to take over the world as anybody. You have that personal power. And if you ever need to hear it, drop me a line and I'll tell you about it anytime you want. But with that, I just want to say thank you guys for being here on the drop-in. It is such a pleasure. Jarrett, thank you so much. Thank you. And, uh, you know, just... Keep living life and enjoying it and making the most of it. That's what I'm going to do, and that's what I'd love for you to do. I am Gerald Valley, and this has been The Drop-In.